The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you seeking more energy and ready to have more healings and revealings in your life? Then you've tuned into the right program. For the next hour, listen in as Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, shares with you tools you can use to transform your life. She will guide you on a journey to create a life that is intentional and dynamic. Now, here's your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome, everyone, and thanks so much for being on our show today. I really appreciate you making the commitment to being an intentional spirit. As you know, every week we offer various tools in which individuals use these tools um, throughout the world of ways in which to have practical application to stretch your mind and and deepen your heart uh, so that you, too, can be intentional and on purpose with your life. I feel so happy today to be interviewing Judith Diana Winston. She's a visionary photo artist. She's a life mentor. She is just an incredible person. She spent um, time throughout the globe. And she is offering us uh, mystery and wisdom in talking about the keeper of the diary book. Welcome to our show today. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you, Temple. I'm so glad to be here. Well, I just um, loved delving into the website and finding out more uh, about the Keeper of the Diary. What what a story. But before we get into the, the depth of that, um, tell everyone how, how you became an intentional spirit. Well, that's an interesting question. Um, I, I think on some level, I always was. It just wasn't necessarily conscious. You know, there's a certain point in our lives where we become sort of conscious of being conscious. And I think at that point, we begin to understand that the things we think, the things we say, you know, all the little small things actually make our life. And so then we become more and more um, pointed in, in taking responsibility for our thoughts because we know that on some levels they're going to manifest in our lives. So does that answer your question? <laughs> and absolutely. We have, a, we have those moments, right, those surreal moments and when we like wake up and we kind of notice that the the leaves on the tree are greener and we've kind of noticed that oh we have been kind of a participant in a way um either proactively planned or unplanned um i love those moments that we have those epiphanies and we go like wow you know i'm kind of a part of what's going on here it's a it's a huge um wake up well, when you uh, were in the Midwest, was there, was there a reason that uh, you pursued moving to California? Did you have kind of a calling, or were you feeling a nudge to um, to go to where the, the grass appeared greener? Yeah, that's an interesting way to put it. Um, you know, growing up in other parts of the country, you're sort of aware of California because it's it's rather unique. It seems to draw people, in a sense, who are, you could say, are more intentional, um, are more awake or more conscious. I'm not saying that people in other parts of the country aren't, but there's something about California that just, it always has been, you know, this golden state. And so growing up in the Midwest, it was kind of like, hmm, I'm looking for something more. I don't really know what it is, but I'm I'm just looking for something larger in my life. And so it happened, actually, I had always thought to move to Southern California, where I am right now, 
but circumstances kind of came together and I ended up in Northern California uh, where I lived for over 10 years before making the move here. And um, the move to Southern California, because I was very used to Northern California at that time and very happy to be there. And people who don't live here may not really understand that they are, they're very, very different places. And how I happened to move here, which was, you know, from Northern California to Southern California, um, and for the frequency that Southern California is, came about really, I would say, almost beyond my conscious control and ended up changing my life massively. I mean, the move to Northern California originally did, and the move to Southern California took me to another step. So I think we're led in our lives, you know, whether we're really conscious of it or not. Absolutely. And I I think that, you know, just something that is so simple, but yet profound for so many people is just the the fear of ever relocating or, you know, allowing movement to come into their lives. And I think that's so important as far as being intentional is that it's the willingness to be, um, for me, I kind of changed the consciousness of I'm not just local. I'm both and, I'm local, and I'm global. And obviously that that energy or that permission, you know, that inner permission uh, must have occurred within you because it's like um, you moved across the country, you know, and you were the girl, that, here you are in California, and, and then just being open. And so how did you go from that to being involved with the, with a, a book and a journey um, that involves Egypt? Well, that's a good question, too. Um, actually, I moved from Northern California rather abruptly to Southern California. I was working there as a fashion photographer, and to all appearances, it would seem that my life was on a really good track. Things I had just gotten out of photography school, and I was actually working at the thing that I wanted to do. And I sort of woke up one day and it was like out of nowhere began thinking about moving, which was kind of odd since I had never really cared that much for Southern California once I really explored it. Um, But that move that I made in spite of sort of everybody's... uh, saying, why would you move? You've got so much going on here. That move ended up being the thing that really put me on this journey to Egypt. It would have never happened if I was in Northern California because I had established myself as a fashion photographer. I was busy. I was making money. I moved to Southern California and everything went dead. It was like I went into this dead zone where I had to I really had to reevaluate my life and see where it was I was going. But out of that emptiness, out of that not knowing, is how this trip to Egypt, without going into great detail, manifested itself. Um, and I, like I said, it would never have, it's funny, but it would never have happened if I hadn't made this move, which seems like, what, one part of a state to another part of a state? But it was a big life changer for me. And when the opportunity came up to go to Egypt, because nothing else was really going on in my life, I said yes. And now I've given that part of my story to my main character in my book. And that main character in the book, is her name Cassie? Yes, yes. Um, so I, I kind of give her my history, and then as she developed as a character, she began to teach me things. I just think it's it's so awesome. And it sounds to me like, and, you know, again, it, it's so much deeper than, it, it's a bigger story in that um, so many of our listeners, and I, I know that from talking to various people that listen to our show, you know, they... They're waiting on something to happen, and then they're willing to make a move, you know, and put their whole selves in. And um, I like to use that uh, ancient wisdom, uh, hokey pokey, 
Um, you probably have heard of it yourself. Um, <laughs> you know, yes. um, and you know, I mean, you can do your leg in and your arm in and your elbow in and, but at, you, eventually you got to put your whole self in and, um, and you put your whole self in and turn yourself around. And I, I, I like that, um, because I think it's a great teaching and it's t- so in alignment with what you're saying is that you 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 didn't know, uh, you know, and I think that's the part that people forget is we make a lot of moves and we don't know where it's going to lead us, but we're willing to make the move. And I think that's why some people feel so spiritually stuck, if you will, is because they want all their ducks in a row or they want to be sure of some kind of illusion that you are really sure um, before they will make the move. But it's the move itself that creates the domino effect um, and then leads to all the other opportunities by putting your whole self in. I just think that's yeah, so that, I would have never thought of that. Yeah, you know, we all, we all did that song as younger people. I would have, it's actually very profound of you to, to see that imagery. Um, and what I see for myself and for others, it's about really being quiet enough to listen inside and then follow it, even if it doesn't necessarily make sense. Um, because it's out of that, in my case, it was out of this sort of emptiness that a whole new life emerged that couldn't have while I was so, I mean, I, I was very happy in Northern California, but there was something stirring me, something calling, and I I didn't know what it was, and like I said, uh, without going into all the circumstances, it, it sort of surprised me when I landed here, but out of that not knowing, out of that emptiness, something new could come. And then in that, in that space, now when you were, um, you know, learning about um, a lot of the the ancient sacred sites that are in the world. Um, and I love that in the on the website you also said that, you know, the great sacred sites, as well as swimming with wild dolphins, because that's just like as awesome as it gets, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> did you, you know, was that something that, that from the very beginning you you thought, wow, this is, just something that's going to be a powerful experience is that part of a spiritual quest is about learning about the different energies on the planet or how did that uh, unfold in your life? Well, it grew. I was always a very curious person and, you know, even as a child and, and a, you know, teenager, I was always looking to understand things more deeply. I didn't really know what it was that I was looking for, but I was, I was looking for something bigger than what I felt was, you know, the life around me. So that was kind of a driving force um, without being totally conscious. And then it really wasn't until I made the move to Northern California, I mean, Southern California, and found myself going, oh, my gosh, I can't get anybody to hire me. I can't get, I'm not making any money. This isn't working. I made such a big mistake, but it was too hard to move back. So I just kind of kept moving forward. And then I had never thought about, well, it's not true. I actually looked up an old journal when I was living in Northern California. This is interesting because I was going to say, I never really thought about the sacred sites or anything like that, but apparently I did. Because I saw in this old journal, I had taken a course of some nature, and the question had been, if you knew you only had five years to live, what would you do? And what had I written back, you know, maybe three, four, five years before I made the move? I said, if I only had five years to live, I would take a journal and my camera, and I would travel around to all the mysterious places on the planet and photograph them and obviously keep this journal. But I forgot that. I didn't, it was like something I did in a course and let it go. And then when this opportunity came to go to Egypt, I took it and it just opened up a whole level of curiosity um, as I experienced the sites there 
with a very wonderful spiritual teacher, the things that he would say that were so different from what the classical, you know, archaeologists would say, it just, I, I got hungry for more. I wanted to understand where it, how these places came to be because I, at that point, of course, I knew there were more places than just the spots in Egypt. And it was like this mystery of who built these places and why and what does it tell us about ourselves as a human race? Who are we? So it became kind of an obsession for 10 years, and I did that traveling on and off to the major sacred sites on the planet. And I was always photographing them, but I was always learning. I wanted to know about the myths and legends I want because there's always truth in them. So I wanted the deeper picture, not just the archaeological picture, because in so many cases, it's outdated, um, the standard archaeological information. So that's how the traveling came. Now, the dolphins, just briefly, I had, my grandparents lived in Florida when I was a child. So I saw dolphins now and again, and there was a point, I think it was in the early 90s, where I had been to Florida and had seen these dolphins. And I came back and I said, you know, I have to, I, I kept hoping that I would sort of bump into the dolphins, you know, that I'd be swimming and they'd show Literally. up. Uh-huh. So I, I made a decision to go on a couple of dolphin swims out, in, you know, out off the Bahamas. I mean, it was just something that suddenly it was like, I'm fascinated by these other beings and I need to have contact. And I learned a lot. Well. <laughs> <laughs> There's something dolphins, so- they're, they're great teachers, you know? Uh, they they really are. They And they, you know, many people uh, make a reference to um, that they remind, or we think of them almost as human and their and their gifts, but it, it's very interesting when when you look up um, you know shamanically uh, sacred medicine that dolphins bring. Um, they have a they have a willingness to let themselves be seen, and they're very vulnerable. But they also have a discernment about safety. So in that way, they do reflect a lot of us in our own humanity. Um, but it is fascinating when you are swimming with them. It's like you, you just want that moment to uh, to never end. That, that's, that's so neat. Well, what I'm seeing well, about I would, you I have to say one little one, one, one thing. I was saved by dolphins. It's a long story, so I won't go into it. It's a short story that's in a book. But I was literally saved by dolphins when a storm well, came I, up. I want to hear that story when we come back after break because I know that other people want to hear that story too. Um, it's such a pleasure talking with you. And I'm Temple Hayes, everyone, and I want to thank you for your ongoing contributions to Unity Online Radio. We truly are a voice that knows and sees and holds the place of the world being awakened. And therefore, we appreciate you sharing with some um, social media as well as financially, our ability to reach as many countries as we are with these messages. We'll be right back with Judith Diana Winston. Go to her website, thekeeperofthediarybook.com, and you'll love what you see. That I guarantee you. We'll be right back. Unity Online Radio is affiliated with Unity, a nonprofit organization specializing in prayer, publishing, and spiritual education. If you enjoy our programming and would like to support this ministry, go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now to make a contribution. You can make a one-time or recurring monthly donation. Thank you. The base of all life is the infinite wellspring of Source, and each of us has a unique way of expressing that Source as an individualized soul. Do you enjoy the company of inspiring people who are living on purpose? 
Do you want to live joyfully attuned to your own unique soul expression? Host Rev. Kristen Powell welcomes you to join the gathering of souls who live this way. You'll meet artists, naturalists, and other soulful expressions that will inspire you to call forth the most alive, passionate version of yourself. Get into the natural stream of your own soul by tuning into Soul Stream live every Wednesday at noon Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for listening to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Rev. Temple Hayes. If you have a question or comment about today's discussion, you can email us at theintentionalspirit at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here is your host, Rev. Temple Hayes. And welcome back, everyone, and um, thank you of all the places that you could be right now that you have chosen to be with myself and Judith Diana Winston, um, or author extraordinaire of the Keeper of the Diary Book.com, uh, a global traveler, um, something that we all want to check on our, our bucket list for sure of um, these experiences and going to some of these ancient places um, throughout the world. Um, when people go to your your website and the, and they order the book, uh, the book by itself, by the way, I just want to say is so different. The cover of it is different. The the look of it. Um, I want to have it just so I can so people can see it. Do you know what I mean? I want <laughs> I want people to be able to look at it because from the moment I I looked at this website quite some time ago, it went. It's like I got to have that. It. How, how that is so good. So that's a point there. Like, did you design that or what happened with that? And well, the other- <laughs> a very interesting story. I was working with a designer and uh, originally my idea, you know, on the front of the book, cause it, it looks itself like an old diary. And there's a snapshot of the head of the sphinx that's kind of wrapped in this, this cording that would go around the diary. And originally, that's from a photograph that actually, that I created that was a black and white photograph that's hand-painted, which they'll see more on the website of those. And it was really a full picture of the Sphinx with the pyramids in the background. And it had been my original idea to take that picture, which is a horizontal picture, and use it as a wraparound cover. So we did that, and it was beautiful, and everybody loved it, and I thought the designer had done a great job. And we're, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he said, you know, I, I can't tell you why, but I, I, I have to do this other design and show it to you. He said, I love the cover you did, but I need to show you this other design. It just came. Now, you know, he had a busy schedule, and I wasn't his only client. And in some ways, because it's a long book, we were kind of lagging behind, and it was kind of holding him up. Nonetheless, he sent me this cover, he emailed me this cover, and I went, wow. It, because for me, it had exactly the same effect that it has for you. It was like, I want to pick this up. I want to I look at this. Um, I'm a very visual person being an artist, but I think that it would speak to anybody like that. There's something, it's got a frequency. He captured the frequency, and that's an unusual thing. I, he totally did. I mean, I get books in the mail from all over the world all the time, and a lot of them, you know, they go in the uh, "I'll get to it when I get to it" uh, <laughs> stack. Um, but I just, I just fell in love with this, the, just the energy of it, you know, right away, um, and and just the fact of diary and how valuable that is. I mean, most people know people like Oprah. Uh, I say her name because, you know, more people know her than, you know, most um, mm-hmm. people that we don't have in common. But, you know, that journaling and diary effect is so, so powerful um, in that it it tells us what moved us spiritually or deeper in our humanity. 
when we write down certain things about places that that we've gone. I know that some people go on a trip and they write under their photograph on Facebook or something. You know, I ate at this great restaurant or I did that or, you know, whatever. But for me, the energy has always been to pick up, you know, one of the diaries uh, from a visit that I've taken, you know, 15, 20 years ago and have actually written what I felt and how I felt like certain things were coming together. Like, you know, the cab driver came out of the blue when everybody else was waiting in line and said, I think I'm supposed to pick you up or you know, those are the sacred stories that matter, I think, ultimately. So, well, it, yes. <laughs> and, and I think we, in the act of doing that writing, it's kind of like we're channeling. We are writing and, and writing things that sometimes we don't, we don't expect to write. And so afterwards, looking back at them, you go, wow especially after a period of time. And you go, I didn't even remember that about that time period. I didn't even remember that I was feeling those feelings or thinking those thoughts. And it kind of like is like a little spark of remembrance and can bring a past event that was very rich at the time back into your life. So I think, yes, writing a diary, a journal, um, you don't even have to write a lot, but I think it's very profound. <laughs> well, you're, it's so true what you're saying, you know, that you can go back years later and you can pick it up and you start reading and you go, this stuff is good. Right, <laughs> you get fascinated. <laughs> Where did this come from? That girl was on fire. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> And in this case, in this case, the diary that the main character Cassie um, sort of finds, or it lands in her camera case, and she doesn't know where it came from, on the second uh, day of her trip. And as she reads it, she learns that this diary is being was being kept by this young Israeli man found in the desert suffering from amnesia, who actually writes the diary to try and remember who he is. And in the course of his writing, not only his current life starts to unfold for him, but it goes all the way back to a past life in Atlantis. It just has so much energy to it. Um, the book itself, the title, uh, the energy behind it, the intentionality. And for our listeners, because I know that a number of them say, I got to have this book too. Um, tell us a, a, a golden nugget. You know, what are, what's a takeaway or two that, okay, I have this book. I love it. I'm inside it. What is it offering? If, if you're, it's, what is the memory of the book that you feel people will have? Well, I think there's a number of things in different people. It can be read on so many levels. But one of the really important things is you get to go on a journey with this woman, Cassie. And yes, it's going to all of the sacred sites and all of that's fascinating and the information. But you begin to see a person in the process of change, changing from sort of an ordinary person who is kind of run by some of the rules of society and has her insecurities and you see her grow into onto a spiritual path and with the f- deep understanding of some of the things we talked about earlier about being in the moment about really listening to your heart um changing we could say your point of perception from your mind to your heart which i think is so important at this time on the planet when we're going through such huge upheaval and people are losing their bearings you get to go with cassie she gets to you get to hold her hand and be on this journey with her as she shifts into a totally different kind of being a being that i think is what we're all being required to do and that's where um you just answered one of my key questions. That's where the magic lies, because any time we can be reading a story of someone else's journey, 
there's something about ourselves. I mean, I've, I've seen it happen after, you know, 22, 23 years, whatever it is now of ministry. It's like um, people, we all want to work on our, well, those of us that say, I'm, I'm waking up, I've had an epiphany, I, I want to work on myself. There's still a part of us that we are reserved or somewhat shielded. You know, I've gone to therapists and, and have, actually have the idea that I'm not going to totally let them figure me out. <laughs> you know, I've had, I've had people come to me and be with me for an hour as a life coach or whatever. And, you know, in the last five minutes, they start telling me the real reason that they came, you know, because they know time's going to be up soon. But um, in that, um, but there's something uh, profound, um, like in a group, therapy session or something like that where you're not uh, guarded and you're not like uh, you know holding back either consciously or unconsciously and you're reading about what someone else is doing or what they are becoming and because you're wide open it has the capacity to give you the magic that you're seeking so that's yeah. profound good good strategy there <laughs> I I figured I always learn the best from stories. You know, I mean, I, I love, you know, some of my nonfiction books and the way that they work. But stories, I think, really engage us emotionally in a way that a nonfiction book, no matter how fascinating it is, we're a little distant from it. When we start to dive into a story and get involved with a character, we're on that journey. And I think that's what I really wanted to share with people. So yes, <laughs> so that's that. That's what it's about. It is about being so pulled in because you're fascinated that you begin to make little shifts yourself because it gives you ideas that you would never have thought of before. Absolutely, and you know, often in um, new thought terminology, we we talk about um, the power and and the presence of right now. And there are a lot of books about being in the now and the energy of that. Um, you make a reference that the the keeper of the diary book, it, it actually demonstrates how the past, present, and future, they're tied together by these invisible threads of energy. Um, elaborate upon that. I, I'm just, um, I, I find that very intriguing and also very true. It resonates. Well, I obviously the things that, I mean, this is a story, not only an individual story, but in a way it's a story about the human race. And there are things about our past, the collective past, that we may not even know about, but of course they're, they're influencing us, whether it's our past and our personal journey, our personal life in this lifetime, or the collective, because we are part, we are connected to everyone and everything, you know, the interconnection of all life. So everything that's happened on this earth is a part of our own personal history too. And I think that sometimes we think of things in a certain way as being like caused by the past, but I want to offer another possibility that perhaps our future selves are calling us forward, and that's that's the real journey, and that's that being open part so that you can hear where your destiny, whatever you want to call it, where your future self is pulling you into a greater possibility than you might ever have thought of. So you see, it's time is it's a very interesting thing because in the bigger, bigger reality, time doesn't exist. It's only sort of in our 3D here to make it easier for us to sort things out that we can call something past, present, future. But really on a certain level, they're all happening at once. So we can be learning so much just by being open right now, right here. And that's what I, I, found, I found to be so intriguing about your work and you know what you're doing and, and what you're achieving is that um, actually – you are living exactly what you're talking about because you've had the experience of, and it's, um, you know, there are a lot of books out on the market today. They're 
there's such a wide range of, of books. I mean, every third person is an author, but yet there are there are people that that truly, through their experience, there is a depth to what they're speaking about. And I just wanted to acknowledge that about you. That that's what I find to be true about your work. There's such a depth and intensity because you have had the future calling you. You know, I mean, you're you're living on the other side of the United States, and it's like, okay, time to move now. Oh, really? <laughs> I mean, um, I mean, there's, and I remember going back to my high school reunion, um, oh, you know, forever ago, uh, centuries ago, or whatever, <laughs> a long time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, and I remember um, some of the the um, high school students asking me, "How in the world, you know, did you ever?" you know, get to travel, you know, and it's like something that I just have taken for granted. Um, yeah. And I, I think that sometimes those of us that do just kind of jump out there, you know, um, and, and being a risk taker, um, I, I think that people misperceive that or, um, or, or think of that, that we do that because we're so comfortable. Uh, anything could be uh, further from the truth. We are very uncomfortable often when we step out there, but we also know that the call, um, the phone, the spiritual phone doesn't quit ringing, <laughs> you know. And what is that they say, um, you know, that if we could only listen to the whispers of the universe, um, none of us would have to be hit with a two-by-four. <laughs> well, exactly, exactly. And it's very interesting because, of course, in Cassie's case, she doesn't really... She's trying really hard to just keep things as they are, Um, but obviously life moves her, and she could resist it. We can always resist it, but, um, you know, she ends up going for it, even against sort of some of her better thinking, you know, <clears throat> she has this idea of who she is, which as we continue on in the story, we realize is very limiting. And that if she'd have stuck with that, it would have been without giving away any key points of the story. It would have been a dull story. Let's put it that way. Her life would have been kind of a dull story. So I think it, it life, I mean, life is a river. Life is this energy flow. And we have to learn somehow <clears throat> to be willing to be uncomfortable and and hang out with that discomfort because otherwise we can't grow. And I think the part intellectually that's so important for, you know, all of us to realize is that, yeah, we are going to be uncomfortable, but we're uncomfortable already <laughs> because we're exactly. uncomfortable because we're thinking about, you know, what we don't really enjoy and like. And that uncomfortable, at least you already know what you got. And that's what I tell people. Why not trade the uncomfortable that you already have that you're not really happy with for an uncomfortable that might be filled with something that would give you some joy? Because to avoid being uncomfortable is not practical because you're already there. Or, you know, they are already there. Or that exactly, exactly. There. And Cassie really personifies that. She is not a happy camper, and yet she's holding on for dear life to this life that's not really working for her. And fortunately, life kind of plucks her up, because. but she has to say yes. You know, she has to, in this case, she's offered a job that will take her to the Middle East. She has to say yes. She could say no. And there's a lot of reasons in her mind why she would say no. But life sort of pushes her to the edge and she says yes. And then she gets to Egypt, and she, for the first number of pages, it's like, why am I here? I don't want to be here. This is too strange. I I knew what I wanted in life, and that's what I want. And But she gets then, as she reads this diary that has landed in her camera case, she she's very kind of pulled to it while at the same time on a certain level she's sort of repulsed by it because it's requiring her to think differently and I think that's what happens for so many of us like you said we're comfortable in our old discomfort and not always willing to take that I mean what do we have to lose really 
I mean, if we really, really look at things, what do we have to lose? Absolutely. Absolutely. We have uh, very little to lose and, and everything to gain. If nothing else, the greater esteem within ourselves, because we thought enough of ourselves to allow ourselves to be created. You're listening today with um, Judith Diana Winston, and we are talking about the brilliance of her book, The Keeper of the Diary Book. And you can go to the website, thekeeperofthediarybook.com, and find out more information. You can also watch a video and listen to the author speak about this dynamic energy that has gone into this material. I want to remind everyone that you can also watch our messages online. So from wherever you are, anywhere in the world, you simply go to unitycampus.org, unitycampus.org. We'll be right back following this brief um, in a state of change, a period of transition? Perhaps you simply don't know which way to turn, or you want guidance on taking that next step in your personal or professional life. You can activate the power of yes with Reverend Beverly Melander. As a new thought minister and next step counselor, she knows how to listen to where you are and help you get to where you want to be. With 20 plus years of experience, she offers spiritual counseling and affirmative prayer next step counseling for your personal or professional life, as well as resume writing and editing. To learn more about Beverly's counseling services, visit beverlymelander.net. That's Beverly, M O L A N D E R.net. God is formless, yet takes many forms. What goes around comes around. Chant the name of the Lord and be free. No one comes to the Father except through me. Ever been confused by the variety and apparent contradiction within world religions? Join Reverend Paul John Roach every Tuesday for insight into those principles held in common by all the great religious traditions in world spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions. Using discussions, interviews, humor, insight, and practice, Practical advice, we will clarify the confusion and reveal simple yet profound truths. Call in with your questions and ideas and help break down the barriers that separate us from one another. That's World Spirituality with Paul John Roach, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. We now return to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And thank you, everyone, for being with us today. And as you can see, this um, material, this book, The Keeper of the Diary book, uh, The Keeper of the Diary, as you can see, is it's just profound, and it has ancient wisdom and, and modern-day New Thought teaching in it with the great art of healing with storytelling. One of the things that um, Judith Diana Winston had shared um, initially was that she had actually been saved by dolphins, and I know um, many of you you know, did not want us to leave the show today without including me <laughs> of us talking about that. Um, what happened? Well, I went um, with a group of people to do a dolphin swim, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> off of Grand Bahama Island. And what we would do is go out on this boat, and about, I don't know, a couple hours out, there were these sort of shallow, shallowish, 30, 30 feet deep shoals where the dolphins had a tendency to sort of come and play. And so the idea was on these trips is that we would go out there and, excuse me, I'm a little hoarse here. <clears throat> we would go out and spend any place from, you know, four to six days just kind of in that area. And when anybody would see a dolphin, you know, we would sort of alert each other and gently get into the water so as not to, we were told beforehand, now don't reach out, 
just, but be playful because dolphins really respond well to children. So the more childlike you can be in the water, the better chance that a dolphin will come to you. And that was the idea. You don't go to them, they come to you because it's, you're in their territory. <clears throat> so <laughs> I did one trip and it was really great. And I got some wonderful photographs um, since that was something I really wanted to do. And then about six or eight months later, I went on another trip. And from the first day, there were storm warnings. And, you know, it was always a question from day to day, is there going to be a big storm? Should we stay or maybe we should leave? And, of course, everybody on the boat wanted to stay because they traveled from many parts of the world to be on this trip. So we stayed. And then... But the dolphin swims were not so great. There weren't too many dolphins showing up, and it was kind of murky, the weather. So finally, uh, after about four days, the ship captain, I guess, got over his radio that there was really a storm coming and that it would was probably time to leave. And there hadn't really been any dolphin encounters, and, of course, I was very disappointed. So I just asked him before we leave, could I just take a dunk in the water just because I hadn't really even been in the water very much? And he said, sure, but, you know, we need to get out of here because the storm is headed. And I said, okay, fine. So I got in the water with no particular intention except for, okay, saying goodbye to the water. You know, but I, I like to thank oceans because I love water. So I'm out there, and um, I suddenly saw which seemed pretty close to me, I saw the dorsal fin of a dolphin. And I thought, well, I'm going to swim just a little tiny bit in that direction. And it's funny because in water and also just being in the presence of a dolphin, which feels so magical and, and is magical. So I swam probably a little further than I intended. And all of a sudden I looked back and I could see that the boat was rather far away. And I went, oh, no, what did I do? And just at that point, the water was starting to get choppy. And I began to get a little confused um, or frightened. And I'm sort of trying to make my way back. And suddenly I realized that the dorsal fin, I saw three of them. And it turned out to be a mother dolphin, a baby dolphin, and a nurse dolphin. And they came right up and... It was like the mother wanted to show off her baby to me. And I was so excited, and yet I feel I was getting further and further away from the boat. So I just began to swim like crazy, and I began to get a little bit panic-stricken. And then I felt a nudge. And those two adult dolphins pushed me or nudged me until I could reach. There was a bow line you know, that went to the anchor until I was pretty close to it and could reach out and actually use it to pull myself back to the boat. And I got out, and they immediately lifted the anchor, turned on the motors, and, you know, we started flying back to, you know, the island, to Grand Bahama Island, and the storms really started raging. And I, I almost didn't have a chance to process it all because it was under such an extreme sort of emotional situation. But... You know, after, all, after a while, of course, I did, and I realized what I said to you before, that I was saved by dolphins. And this is not an unusual story. I mean, there are so many interesting stories about how dolphins have saved people, different interactions that show such an extreme level of intelligence. So I ended up writing this as a short story in a book collection, which I'm not sure is even still available. And I think it was a story, uh, stories of water or something like that. And I was approached, I think it was called Sacred Water. People can check it out if they can find it. I'm eventually, I think, going to put that story on my website. It's not too long. So that's my story. It's called Fins in the Water. Because what we would do when we saw a dolphin, the group, you know, somebody would yell, Fins in the Water. And we would all put on our fins and, you know, our masks and jump in. So that's what I titled the story, and I'll never forget it. I love that. That is that's such a, a profound story. Um, it just um, it just touched me. And 
what was coming to, to mind was also kind of like um, I, the words like the good and the ugly, because also intelligent in the water are sharks. And I hold in prayer daily that the consciousness of how they are promoted uh, unwarranted will change because they too are amazing. Uh, but they are just deemed as ugly rather than beautiful. And so, therefore, they are just treated so, so huge. So please join me in that, if you will, and that awakening across our planet, um, that it's because of the way they're promoted uh, that they have gotten such a bad rap. So Yes. Um, I mean, I've actually heard some wonderful stories about shark encounters. Yeah. So just there are many. It's just that because of the way they have been, uh, you know, promoted and uh, introduced uh, all the time, and they get a lot of Google clicks, you know, oh, a shark was sighted and all that, um, that they, there's a, uh, I read somewhere there's like a hundred million of them murdered um, ah. needlessly every year, every year, um, you know, and that's just, it's just beyond my comprehension of a part of nature that's not a mistake. So anyway, we, we hold that in grace and I just see that correcting itself and we put that out in the, in the planet, uh, that's for sure. And, and that kind of leads to kind of one of the premises of, you know, we have the power of choice. And that is um, an area that your, your, your book kind of weaves in, uh, The Keeper of the Diary. That's what that, the book is, is talking about is that and kind of lays down the, the foundation, if you will, is, is we do always have a choice. Like you were saying earlier, we can get new pull towards the the future of our lives and our being. Um, and yet we can say, I'm, I'm just going to be here and I'm going to stay right here where I am. Um, how do you feel about that? Well, I think choice is so important and it's one of the things that is so human that, that we do have this ability to choose. And yet, as I read that somebody said, you know, you, you can have the ability to choose, but if you don't realize it, it's like you don't even have it. And I think for so many people, when certain things are going on in their lives, you know, it feels like, it feels like they have no choice, but that's never true. It's never true. And this is something that Cassie, on her journey, really realizes it's like when we when we make these choices like you said about the sharks you know we're all, our every one of our choices internal or whether we do something external to act on it is kind of a, it's all affecting the world since everything is energy so cassie begins to realize at a certain point that think, thinking certain ways and certain things you know that are in, that are making a choice but she doesn't even see that. She begins to realize that she's empowering what we might, what she doesn't want to empower. And I think that's important for all of us in very little, minute ways. That we, when we catch ourselves, uh, you know, you can be angry at somebody or whatever. And, but there's a choice. Just because you're angry doesn't mean you have to scream and yell. <laughs> you know, you can back up, process the anger, and then go over to the person and say, look, this happened earlier today and it really upset me. And so you're not coming from anger at that point. You're, it was prompted by something that made you angry, but you're not spewing that anger at somebody else. And the reason this is such an important part of the book is because we're talking about our future as the human race and the future of the planet. And we need to know that how we think moment to moment, the choices we make are affecting our future, our collective future. And if we don't want it to be a cataclysm, if we want to see the human race change in ways and, and be more connected to the planet and taking care of one another, we're the ones making those choices moment to moment. I think that is just a, a profound statement in which we can complete our time together. I, I can't believe our, our time is already up. It has just been a wonderful visit with you. I already feel that I'm a better person just from the, the thinking and the energy and the essence. And I'm celebrating with you in advance, the keeper of the diary. 
uh, a tremendous book. And again, stated, you can go to the website, thekeeperofthediarybook.com. Thank you so much for being on the show today. I look forward to our paths crossing somewhere again because I, I really feel they will. Thank you. I really enjoy it immensely. I've enjoyed this time together. And I think our paths are going to be crossing soon. Yeah. Um, I think you're going to be here in Los Angeles soon. I, I have that feeling myself. <laughs> <laughs> Many blessings to you and continue the great work. Okay. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. This has been such an enjoyable time, and I thank all your audience for having that level of consciousness to tune into this show, and it's just been a party. Oh, thank you so much. Have a great week. Continue you to have <laughs> many blessings. Okay. Blessings to you, too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And thank you, everyone. We appreciate you so much. Without you as our audience, we would just be talking to ourselves. So we are very appreciative of who you are to Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. Join us every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central for tools and simple applications which will support you from being alive to fully living. This program is brought to you in part by First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida. To learn more about this ministry, go to www.unitycampus.org or www.templehaze.org. Spirituality into your own hands? Bucking corporate religion in favor of finding your own path? Do you cross the boundary between religion and science? Or between religions themselves? Do you like a dose of humor with your truth-seeking? If you answered yes, you're what we call a holy rascal. Join Rabbi Rami Shapiro for How to Be a Holy Rascal, Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Central. Rami and his guests will engage in lively, humorous discussions about what it means to be a spiritual human being in the 21st century. How to Be a Holy Rascal, Wednesdays at 11 a.m., only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. We invite you to focus your attention inward with these words from Elizabeth Searle Lamb. This is a new day. Lead your conscious mind to that still haven of your soul where your indwelling Christ opens wide the doorway of your heart. At once, mind, soul, and body, you are flooded with the light and love of God. You are lifted high above this earthly plane and filled with the radiance of spirit. Send this love and light on to those whom you hold dear so that it may uplift, heal, and comfort them. As you send this radiance on, you are filled with a new sense of God's power, and you release this power to the whole world to uplift, guide, and bless all people. A day's tasks await you, but God is with you, and with God's help, all shall be done perfectly. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Spirit of Recovery is the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth. Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., interviews down-to-earth guests who share with you how they keep going and growing in recovery. Spirit of Recovery is the place to get practical tips and join in lively discussions on topics that matter to recovering people. This program welcomes everyone who wants to know more about recovery. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
Leah Moran. Since we launched the Main Street Vegan podcast back in 2012, lots more people have discovered the way that moving in a vegan direction can infuse our lives with vitality, spirituality, and compassion. My guests are experts on every aspect of making this work in your real life and our real world. Join us for Main Street Vegan here on mindbodyspirit.fm.